Hello there, folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute, housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We are cruising through Revelation, and by cruising I mean we just finished only one chapter, but we're going to do actually two of them uh, today. On the docket, Revelation 2 and 3, why is that? That's absurd. Well, it is at the same time, uh, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation give you the seven churches to which John is told to address his apocalypse, this book of Revelation. And they really, they cover these two chapters, they really hang together. And I will read these two chapters, uh, but at the same time, I won't do kind of an in-depth look at every single verse. I'll read the two and then kind of make some general remarks about... um, what you need to keep in mind. This is just big for the book. And so I wanted to make sure that we have, that we read them all and that uh, you kind of have the whole in front of you before I, I talk about them. Otherwise, it's just hard to make points about these these seven churches. It's a very important part of the book that John gets this initial vision in chapter one. And then we have to the angel of the church in this right, to the angel of the church in this right, and there are seven of them total. So I am going to read those. This take a little bit longer than usual, but that's okay. Um, this, uh, this text can do a lot more for you than I can, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, but let's, uh, let's hear the text first, and then uh, I'll just kind of walk through uh, some summary remarks and then also maybe take a look at a couple specifics just to get you an idea of why these are so important. Okay, so here we go. The text of Revelation 2 and 3 reads as follows. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent." Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nioclatians, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. 
But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Neoclatians. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and wage war with them with the sword against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life." I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, 
and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All righty. So there we have the text of Revelation 2 and 3. Nice job. We, uh, we have all that under our belt now, right? And so here we go. First things first, I guess big picture stuff, we have seven total. Why seven? This is a big number in Revelation. Maybe you already caught on from the first chapter. Seven is a huge number. And it means, uh, well, it's a perfect number. It's, it means uh, kind of the all-encompassing deal. It, it's, it's seven letters, but it's really one seven-fold letter to all the churches. The seven signals that this is, this is to all the churches. By the way, if you plot these seven out, they form a nice little semicircle. This is repre- these seven are representative of the one church throughout all times and places. So this is really, I mean, you, you have seven of them to say, this is not just for these seven individual historical churches. This is like a sevenfold. This is a letter to the entire church of all times and places. You will find yourself in here somewhere. And it's not then so easy as you just, okay, well, I have a local congregation. Which one am I? I'll just find one of the seven. That's where I am. Now, now you might at various times align more closely with one than the other. But the point is that all of the church uh, will find yourself in all of these places, as it were, throughout the the life of the church. And this speaks to that reality. Okay, so seven total. Uh, You'll notice some, what, some similarities for each of the seven. So, for example, they all start with this business of to the angel of the church in Ephesus uh, right. Okay, so one thing is the angel business. On the one hand, some have suggested that, okay, you have guardian angels. Well, then maybe churches have guardian angels, that kind of thing. I think the reference to the angel, by the way, we just were fresh off of the Son of Man, right, holding seven stars in his hands. What are those? The seven stars are the seven angels uh, of the churches. I take that to be, and we talked about this a little bit last time, this is the ministry the thing about Revelation, it tends to blur, it's intentionally blurring heaven and earth throughout the book. And one way to do that is to make angels and ministers or ministry very closely related, sometimes overlapping. Uh, there is an angelic character to the office of the holy ministry. Ministers, pastors, they preach a heavenly message, for example. And so to the angel of the church, this is 
this presupposes uh, the office of the holy ministry that's up and running. This is this to the angel of the church. This is um, a letter that's operating within the framework of ministry and uh, and then also clergy. There are ministers and there are there is uh, laity, and so that's established first. It's presupposed here throughout these letters. That there is some sort of, okay, preaching of this, representation at these churches, um, uh, some uh, standing in the stead and by the command at each of these churches. Okay. Um, I guess that also presupposes what? That these churches all live by the word. Thus says, or he says, um, this says, the one, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, the words of the first and last, the words of the Son of God, uh, all this presupposes ministry. It also presupposes that the church lives by the words of that Son of Man that we just saw in chapter 1. And not only live by the word, you saw that also at the end, right? He who has ears to hear, let him spirit, let the... Uh, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is our life in the church, and that is we live by the word. So there's this proclamation by the pastor, the ministry, to the laity. And at the end, it's what? He who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear what the Spirit says. So now we have this, the word, uh, the Spirit working through the word uh, to, as our confession say, accomplish faith when and where he pleases. Um to open ears that are to hear. I mean, that's the thing too. Uh, he who has ears to hear, it's kind of Isaiah six. There are places that this expression comes up and it's sort of like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like the parables. Uh, he who has ears to hear or to everything else to you, it's been given in parables, but on the one hand to the ones who are on the inside, they get it to the others. It just, um, it kind of, what confirms the their rejection of it, as it were. I don't want to hear this. Well, you don't have ears to hear, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so a church that lives by the word. And then what else? Um, all this emphasis on the Son of Man. So you'll notice as you go through here, this is probably, if you forget everything I say in this podcast, remember this. Okay, because you'll see, as you as I read this, the words of him who holds the seven stars. The words of him as a sharp two-edged sword, the words, the first and the last, all of these introductions draw on the initial Son of Man vision to John in chapter 1. Now, what does that mean for the church? If you forget everything else, that means that the church is always to see her situation from the perspective of Christ. And I just push that one step further, and that is, um, whatever it is that's going on in the church, and here you hear the, this is a mixed bag, isn't it, as you go through here. Whatever you hear is going on in the church. Um, see that from the perspective of Christ, and I would even push that further to say that there is, there's a means of grace um, solution, a word and sacrament uh, solution, as it were, to every churchly problem. 
I'll say more about that as we go along, but that's big for these seven churches and why there's an introduction to each of them that draws on the initial Son of Man vision. We'll be right back with more on these seven churches. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin, is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Revelation 2 and 3. This is a lot of text, isn't it, in one podcast. But I just wanted you to get a, a, a sense of all seven of these, the repetition, but also the uniqueness. It's really a mixed bag, these churches. So seven total. And um, again, this is like one letter to the church of all times and places. It's not so much, again, just these seven. You actually heard that it, of the seven total, the one right in the middle, the fourth one, you had that line in verse 23 of chapter 2, all the churches will know that I am he. There is this right, I don't think it's just coincidence that the one right in the middle of the entire, the heart and center of the seven churches gets this, then all the churches will know. What's happening here, what's being said is clearly for all of them, even though it's, you have this, you know, seven individual uh, churches referenced as it were. This is quite a mixed bag, isn't it? Um, if I had to give grades to all of them, I mean, the church, notice, I mean, overall impression, the church is struggling in some way, shape, or form all the time. There is no perfect church. None of these churches is getting an A, as it were. Um, in fact, if I had to give letter grades, I would say the first one and the last one are getting like a D. That last one maybe even is failing. I don't know. The second one and the sixth one maybe a B, and then all the three in the middle are getting a C. Like it's not – almost all of them are told to repent. So, again, so central repentance in the life of the church. You see that repeated throughout here. Basically all of them um, except for the second and the sixth, I believe, are told to repent Again, this is like the first of the 95 Theses when our Lord Jesus said repent. He meant the whole life is one of repentance. So the church is always, you should be able to walk into a church and you should have some some notion of repentance or, or have that question, where does repentance factor into this church's worship? 
you should be able to see that all over the place. It should be, for example, front and center. I confess, poor, miserable sinner, thought, word, and deed, for example. Repentance should be should be prominent, as they are here in these uh, the seven churches. The other thing, too, is just to remember that the whole thing is kind of bracketed by struggle. I mean, there's no perfect church, and of these seven, think about some of the things that you heard, the problems that you went through. We've got persecution, right? We've got uh, neglect. We've got uh, hypocrisy. We've got suffering. We've got imprisonment. Um, there's testing, there's tribulation, there's affliction. Uh, what else? There's, again, a kind of forsaking of the word. As you go through here, you get to see this sort of, um, there's loneliness, there's poverty, right? Some of these churches, especially what the second and the, and the uh, sixth are poor. Um, they're losing faithfulness. Um, what else? You know, you get this, I mean, this is, this is, you're going to see the church of all times and places in here. There's, there's a mixed bag. It's all over the spectrum. But again, the big point here, I want to say more about this. Yeah, it's just all kinds of stuff going on. I want to say more about this. And that is whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is, see that problem from the perspective of the person and work of the son of man. Let me give you an example of this. For example, so take the third church. That's the one that's Pergamum, okay? We're introduced to that church as what? The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Now, we saw that again in the first initial vision, chapter 1, son of man vision, all right? In that same church is what? You have some who are holding to the, the teachings of the Neocletians, which is some early heretical group. Um, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Now that was just, that was in the introduction to this church. So you see what the issue is. This church is one that's um, distorting or corrupting the word of God, going after a false word, holding after these bad teachings. And so what's the solution there? It's to remember that the son of man wages war with the word of his, of his mouth the sword of his mouth, that we pray, oh, keep us steadfast in thy word, O Lord, as the, as the hymn puts it. And so uh, that situation of running after a false or distorted word is remember the Son of Man and the word that goes forth from his mouth. Um, you could also do this uh, where else, like Sardis, for example, the words of him who has the seven spirits, and the seven stars. Well, this is a, you know, seven stars for the seven angels, ministry, Holy Spirit. There's a preaching, there's a witnessing kind of emphasis here. And then what's the issue? It's, um, I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For your works are not complete. There is this, um, are they going, uh, are they neglecting the role of speaking the word or preaching the word or witnessing uh, you guys aren't complete. You got to wake up. You're dead. And so, are they not? Are they relying on themselves instead of the Spirit, right? Or are they neglecting the ministry? That kind of thing. So, whatever the situation, poverty. That's the other thing too. Remember who holds all the riches, and how those what the true riches are, and how those riches come to us. Again, that's the Son of Man, 
right? The one who's clothed and so on. So that's big stuff. Um, what else? You'll notice also throughout these churches some – what I kind of love about this as an OT guy is some of the intentional allusions to the Old Testament. Maybe you heard some of this. Um, you have some here that uh, – for the church of Thyatira, for example, you have some that tolerate that woman Jezebel, okay? Um Remember, she was married to a terrible king back in the Old Testament, wanted to persecute, um, steal and persecute God's prophets, Elijah. It was terrible. Just a wicked woman. And so she holds... So this is here's an example of where one of the churches is given an allusion to the Old Testament. So it's kind of like a, what, intentional ambiguity. Jezebel, right, you go back to Kings and read how she was you know, married to, uh, what is it, Ahab, ke- terrible king who wanted to just, he stole stuff and he wanted to, just a wicked king. And and so you're invited to reflect on an Old Testament narrative and see what is going on in the times that would, that that, that narrative speaks to. So for example, Jezebel, uh, false teaching, sexual immorality, and food sacrifice to idols. So if you're the church, you're looking at this situation saying, okay, Jezebel, false teaching, sexual immorality, and food sacrifice to idols. You look at the church and you say, okay, have we allowed sexual immorality in our church body? And if we have, we are doing the things of Jezebel. Or have we changed the Lord's meal around the food sacrificed to idols. Don't play with the Lord's meal. Don't change what he gave to us. If so, you're doing the things of Jezebel, as it were. You're in the spirit of Jezebel, or you're you know, you're guilty of what Jezebel was guilty of. You're doing this kind of you're doing something that accords with Jezebel of old. Are you after, well, let's say open communion? Um redefining marriage, sexual immorality, right? Um, are you after worldly gain? Pack the pews with prosperity gospel. This, the church of Thyatira, this is exactly what's going on today. Uh, and yet you put it in these terms that'll speak to all the church of, of every age. So that's why these churches still continue to be really important to study. You're going to find the modern church and the issues that she's facing all over the place as you go through these chapters, uh, two and three. The other thing that's really important, I think, is very comforting uh, as you go through here is you do see how, uh, what, there is a means of grace emphasis throughout here. So, for example, maybe you heard uh, the business, uh, first thing first, he who has an ear is what, I'll grant to eat of the tree of life. Why is eating the first thing up, (laughs) right? And then you're cruising along and you get to something like the church of uh, Sardis and you see this what? I have a few names there. To the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. I'll never blot out his name. I'll confess his name. Right? Why all this emphasis on name and white garment? Right? And sometimes these are put together. Like I'll give you the one who conquers uh, the Pergamum. This is the third church. I'll give some of the hidden manna. Again, we're eating again. 
I'll give him a new name written in stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This, I mean, all this emphasis on name and garments, clothing, and also eating. This is baptismal. This is Eucharistic, the Lord's Supper. This is very sacramental. And what I love about it is as you go through these seven churches, you keep hearing this kind of, well, also the ministry too, what the Spirit says, like present tense, right here, right now in the preached word. You have word and sacraments. What I love about it is as you go through here is like the Lord is, so see, whatever the problem is, see it from the perspective of the Son of Man. And then also realize that that uh, that Son of Man is providing for the church and that problem in word and sacrament. So there's, that's why I say there's a, there's a, if you forget everything else, there's a means of grace solution to every ecclesial problem, as it were. Or at least that's um, where everything is, is rooted. So whatever the issue is, word and sacrament is, is the grounding, is the essence, is the, that's where everything needs to be tied first. It's not going to, I mean, it's not like a, what, a little handbook to solve all of life's problems, but it's the, it's the go-to, like, is this up and running? Like, this is foundational for your identity in the Son of Man, for your life in the Son of Man, and so on. And these things are available to you right now. I love this business of, like, on the one hand, the garments are like, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. Yay, that's down the road. Uh, and then on the other hand, it's like, I counsel you to buy from me white garments as in like right here, right now. Like there is this, um, uh, means of grace available to you right here, right now, even as this also deals with promises, um, completed for the future. So as much as revelation seems to be, again, a kind of book that's like way up there and way down there, this is also giving you imagery of the way up there, way down there in terms that are available to you right now. Very comforting stuff. That's all the time we have for this particular session. A kind of a different one, wasn't it? With a lot of, uh, lot of text there, uh, but still very important for the book as a whole. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian Gurman, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.